Take your Bibles and turn them to John chapter 15. While you're turning there, I will mention something I didn't mention, and that is that the parent luncheon is still on with the uh, youth and children's ministries. Uh, food is on its way, and everything is well. By the time you get out of the parent luncheon, the sun will probably have melted everything away, and you'll just be easy to go on your own. John chapter 15 takes just a slight change of direction in where Jesus has been going, talking with his disciples, preparing them for his death, preparing them for what is about to take place within just a few hours. It's an amazing thing to, to watch how he builds on this and prepares his disciples for this. But there's a little different approach here. Back in the 14th chapter, he's been talking about sending the Holy Spirit. He's been talking about going away and coming again and, and all of these things that the disciples are kind of scratching their head about. Here he zeroes in on just a little more of that intimacy relationship that is to be between the disciples there with him in that time and you and me today, that intimacy relationship that is to be a part of the Christian life. And he used a metaphor. It's not really a parable, but it's a metaphor, and in reality, it's his last I am statement. He has said things like, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the light. All these I am statements that Jesus made throughout his ministry and then has illustrated most of the time by miracles, he now comes to this last one, and he says in verse 1, I am the true vine. The last I am statement of all of his I am, all of his ego I me in the Greek, which, which refers to back all the way to the, to the wilderness experience with Moses when he heard God speak out of the burning bush to Moses. Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And he said, you tell them that I am has sent you. And every time Jesus in these words says, I am this, I am that, whoever was listening to him in that day, their minds immediately raced back to that experience of Moses in the wilderness as God was calling him to go and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. The truth of the matter is, it relates in the same way to you and me today because these I am's are the statements that he is making as he is preparing to lead his people out of a spiritual wilderness, to lead his people out of spiritual bondage, out of spiritual slavery. And he says, I want you to understand this is what the reality is. And so in Verse 15, we'll read the first 11 verses. We hopefully will get through the first two, maybe four. Hear the word of the Lord. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. There's an alternate translation that we'll talk about in a minute. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, 
and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is the word of our Lord. As we listen to these words, the word abide is obviously the key word in these 11 verses. It's the word that Jesus is instructing us about and telling us what the, what the relationship is and telling us what the results will be if we abide in Him and He abides in us and if that is the focus of our whole life. But, but I want you to see something in verse 1 that, that may, come, it may take up the most of our discussion today because it's important to understand when He starts out by saying, I am the true vine. Now in the last verse of chapter 14... Jesus said to his disciples, now let's arise and go from here. Let's leave this place. We've been here in this upper room in this time. They have observed the Passover together and have reinterpreted that as the Lord's Supper. They have spent that time together and him teaching them, instructing them about what is about to happen and about him going away will be better so that he can send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will come and will abide in them, will live in them, will be in them. And he said, all this great teaching around the supper, around the Passover, around that final time in that upper room. And then he says to them, let's get up and let's get out of here. Let's leave this room. Now, there's a lot of discussion as to whether or not they lingered a little while longer as he taught this passage. Uh, Some say, well, he stayed there. He said, let's go, but they really didn't go just then, and so he stayed there. So, in reality, all of that verses, uh, or excuse me, chapters 14, 15, and 16 are considered the upper room discourse. But I tend to think that in this first part of 15, they have left the upper room. And there's several options about where they are at this particular time. They're obviously moving toward Gethsemane. They're moving toward that time when he will spend in prayer. We'll pray that great high priestly prayer that we will look at later in chapter 17. But it's obvious, I think, that they have moved out of that room. But as they are moving, Jesus never misses the opportunity for teaching. It could be that they're walking along the walls of Jerusalem. And as they're walking along the walls of Jerusalem, they, they actually see vineyards that are out there being uh, where grapes are being grown for the, vine, for the wine to be made and pressed out. And, and he looks out and he says, now, you see these vines? I am the true vine. Could be talking about just agricultural vines. There's, there's no doubt about that. He may have even taken one in his hand and said, you know, as this vine nourishes these branches and these branches will bear fruit, I am the true vine. This vine is but a symbol of who I am because I'm the true vine. They could have been walking along next to the temple. And the temple had carved on, the, on itself pictures of the vine. 
Vines going everywhere, even going into the holy place. There were vines that were, were carved into the stone all around the holy place that, that represented Israel being a part of the, the vine of God, the people of God. That's what uh, Todd was reading from a little earlier out of Psalm 80. If you listen to those words, he says, and you removed a vine from Egypt. Who did he remove from Egypt? Israel. You removed a vine from Egypt and you drove out the nations and planted it in Palestine. You took this vine and you planted it and you cleared the ground before it and it took deep root and it filled the land and the mountains were covered with its shadow and the cedars of God with its bros. It was sending out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why have you broken down its hedges? So that all who pass that way may pick its fruit. A boar of the forest eats away, and whoever moves in the fields eats its fruit. The, the picture there that the psalmist has is, God, you have, you have developed a vine which is your people, the people of God, Israel, the chosen ones of the old covenant, and you planted them, and it has grown, and the branches have gone out, but now it is coming into disarray. It's coming into disarray because it's, God is preparing it for the coming of the true vine. Israel was called the vine. But Israel itself was just a picture of the vine. Israel itself was just a foreshadowing of the real vine, the true vine that was yet to come. And so Jesus says, I want you to understand, that whether they're looking at the temple and seeing the carving or whether they're looking at an actual vineyard, wherever they are, as Jesus continues to teach them in this that is called the upper room discourse, maybe out of the upper room, he's saying to them, I want you to understand the significance of who I am. Because it's only as you understand the significance of who I am in light of our relationship with one another that you'll really understand what this whole matter of the Christian life is all about. What I am calling you to, Jesus says, is something more than being religious. What I'm calling you to is something more than just as the Jews right now go down to the temple as a matter of ritual and as a matter of habit and they go in and they, they offer their sacrifices and they do whatever they do in the temple and then they go out unchanged. I want you to know that what I'm calling you to is not a religious exercise. I'm calling you to an intimate relationship. I'm calling you to abide in me. Uh, to abide in me and I abide in you. I'm calling you to have my word, my truth, my word abide in your life and change your life and radicalize your life for the glory of God and for the gospel. I'm calling you for there to be such an intimate relationship, such a mystical, if you will, relationship between you and me, Jesus says, that we will be intertwined with one another and you will be in me and I will be in you. Now get your mind around that a little bit. Nothing shallow about that. There's nothing easy about that. There's nothing religious about that. It's all about relationship. And it's all about being what he has called us to be as believers. He says, I'm the true vine. You can look at the temple and you can say Israel is the vine. You can look in the garden and you can see the vines that are growing the grapes to be pressed out. But I want you to understand all of those, everyone, every vine that exists is but a picture of me. It's an illustration of who I am and what I am and what I am to be in your life. 
And as long as you're abiding in me, it says you'll bear fruit. We'll, we'll talk about that in depth probably next week, but, but we'll allude to it today, but get to it more next week. But every branch is to abide in that vine, to cling to that vine, to hold to that vine, to have that vine as the focal point of the branch's entire life. You see, a branch realizes that if it's not attached to the vine, and I mean really attached, really abiding in the vine, then there'll be no fruit, there'll be no life, there'll be nothing for that branch. I've often used the illustration of going out to, to Nancy, out to Haney's Appledale Farm, and, uh, and walking through that and seeing, even though those are not vines as the grape vines are, I guess I could use some of the vineyards around here, but, but I think specifically about that because you, even if you drive down Highway 80, you see the fruit, and it's, it's, it's abundant. It's, it's, it's massive out there, and, and you see that, and you think about it a little bit. You, you realize the trunk of that tree is the vine. It's, it's bringing the nourishment out of the ground. It's feeding the branches, and, and the vine itself has no fruit at all on it. The branches have the fruit because they're abiding in the vine. Now, if I were to walk out there and say, that's a great, great, those are some great apples. I'd really like to have a bunch of those just all the time in my house. So I take a saw, and I saw off a branch, and it's got some apples on it. And I go home, and I pick those off and enjoy them and just sit it over in the corner and say, now, soon I'll have more apples that I can enjoy because this branch had a bunch on it. Surely it'll produce some more. You would look at me and say, have you lost your ever-loving mind? And I would have. Some of you think I have. But, but the point is, the branch, you can get those, that fruit that had just been born on that branch, but cut off from the vine, it'll never bear anymore. And Jesus is saying here, I want you to understand that in your life, that's how important our relationship is. Not just a casual relationship, not just a, oh, I'll give Jesus some acknowledgement every now and then relationship, but it's an intimate relationship. It's an abiding relationship. I am the true vine. Secondly, he says, my father is the vine dresser. My father's the one who tends to the vineyard. He, he tends to the vines and makes sure that the vines are producing the right kind of fruit that they need to be producing. They're producing good fruit, abundant fruit. And he says, my father... God himself is the one who watches over my vineyard that belongs to me. And in verse 2 he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, God, the Father, takes away. Now, the word used there in the Greek it has a secondary meaning that could be used. And I'm not sure that I don't think it gives us a little more insight into this. I know they put takes away there because of verse 6, but I think we can separate those two away. And the secondary meaning is lifts up. The word that, that Jesus uses there says every branch that does not bear fruit in me, he, he lifts up. It, it could mean that he goes along the vineyards and when there's a vine, there's a branch that has fallen to the ground and is running along the ground so that it doesn't produce like it should if it's up, he props it up, he lifts it up, he picks it up. Just like he does you and me when we get down. When in our walk we stumble and fall, when in our walk we struggle with 
with, with various sins and problems, God does not just leave us to our own devices. He does not just say, okay, I'm done with you. But if we're in the vine, if we really are abiding in the vine, attached to the vine, He, he lifts us up and strengthens us and prepares us to be able to bear more fruit. Prepares us to be useful in the kingdom of God again. Useful in the vineyard again. says every fruit, he lifts up every branch. And every branch that bears fruit, the ones that are fruitful, then he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. He prunes it. He cuts it away, cuts away at it, and cuts back all the, the, the false branches that try to branch off of it. He, 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 he does something very drastic in pruning it away. I, we have a, a few rose bushes in our yard. I, I love those. They're beautiful. They're, but every year, my wife sends me out, and she makes me cut those roses back to where they are ugly. But she assures me that my cutting those back will let them be even more beautiful in season. That's really what Jesus is saying here. That God is at work in your life to prune your life if you're in Him. If you really are a branch abiding in the vine, if you really are one who is attached to the vine and belong to Him and God is working your life to bear fruit, He's going to prune you in order that you might bear more fruit. Be more fruitful. What in the world does he prune? Well, he he wants to prune away habits. He wants to prune away false idols. Things that we establish in our life is more important than him. He prunes away those things that get in the way of our relationship. Those things that zap our strength. You see, on vines and on branches, there are false branches that, that that will shoot out. And all they're good for, they have no fruit-bearing qualities in them. All they're good for is just to draw nourishment away from where the fruit can be born. And that's the way it is in our life as branches in Christ. We have things that draw our affections away, that draw our attention away, that cause us to, to, to look away from the source of our strength, the source of our being, the source of our life, and just be kind of caught up in a lot of non-essential stuff. Now, some of those things can be good things. Some of those things can be very enjoyable things. But if they distract us from Him, Jesus says the Father is going to be about pruning that stuff, cutting it away, trimming it off, so that it won't zap our spiritual strength in bearing fruit for His glory. Do you see the importance of that? Do you see what Jesus is saying here about this relationship and the intimacy of it and the the purpose of it? If you abide in me and I abide in you and my word abides in you, then, then you are a branch attached to the true vine. And God is going to prune it so that you'll bear more fruit. There's been a lot of question about what that fruit is. Some people say, well, fruit of a Christian is, is you know, other Christians. It's, it's, Jesus is talking about evangelism here. He's talking about missions here. He's talking about bearing fruit by winning other people to Christ. I don't deny that's an important part of what the Christian life is about, but I don't think that's what he's talking about here. 
I think he's talking about the same thing here when he says you may bear more fruit. I think he's talking about the same thing that, he, that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5. Look over there with me just a minute. You know it. You can probably quote it. But Galatians chapter 5, when G, Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He's been talking about the fruit of the flesh. In verses 19 through 21, he said, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Deeds there could be translated fruit. The, the fruit of the flesh is evident. Which is this? Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousings, and things like this. Now you want to see what the Father wants to prune away from your life? Read that list. That's what God is wanting. You know, even after we become a believer, even after we're a branch on the vine, we still struggle with these kind of things, don't we? We're not made perfect. Oh, that we were. I wish that we, I wish I was. I wish you were. Make it a lot easier on me if you were. Make it a lot easier on you if I were. So it, it all balances out here. But these are the kind of things that we still struggle with. We, we still struggle with the deeds of the flesh. We still have sin dwelling in us, uh, the Scripture says. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, we're still struggling even in our innermost being. Even though we're a new man, new woman, new creature. We still struggle with those things. But the Father is working in the life of every branch to prune that away. You might use the word discipline there. He is disciplining us for godliness. He is disciplining us for Christ's likeness. He is disciplining us in order to prune us in order that we'll bear more fruit. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. And that's what we must see. The writer of Hebrews says that every son that the Father loves, he disciplines. I realize our sins, the punishment for our sin has been paid for. It's been eradicated. We'll, we'll never have to be punished for our sins. Christ took our punishment on himself. But discipline is a whole other matter. And, and the right of Hebrews says every son he disciplines. Every son that he loves, he disciplines. And he goes on to even say, if you're not knowing the discipline of God when there's these kind of deeds in your life, when there's this, and even things, you know, just envyings, jealousy. Causing divisions, disputes, anger. If you're not sensing God's discipline when those kind of things are prevalent in your life, then the right of Hebrews says you're an illegitimate child. You don't belong to the Father. Just a hanger on. You're not a real, you're not a real son, daughter of the living God through Jesus Christ. So Paul says the deeds of the flesh are evident. These are the things that God is wanting to, to strip away from your life in every respect, even idolatry. And then he says in verses 22 and 23, he says, but here's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Period. Without question. This is what the fruit that God is wanting to produce in your life and my life. 
taking away the deeds of the flesh, replacing it with the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about. And honestly, in, in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, all in the world the fruit of the Spirit is there is a description of the character of Christ. Would you agree to that? It's just a description of Christ. So when Christ is in us, and we are in Him, when we are abiding in the vine, and the vine is abiding in us, and His Word is filling us and abiding in us, then, then the thing that happens is the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of Christ's likeness, is what begins to work itself out. Again, not perfectly. Not in this life. But it begins to be evident. It begins to be somewhat visible. It begins to be worked out. When Paul said to the Philippian Christians, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he didn't mean work for it. He didn't mean try to earn it, obviously, because we can't. But he meant what God has put in, what Christ has put in, what Christ is doing within your life positionally before him. Work it out. Live it out. Make it visible. Let it be seen to a world that desperately needs to see it. Now, I believe that will lead to evangelism. I believe that will lead to missions. I believe that will lead to people coming to know Christ. Because quite honestly, it isn't the biggest objection we hear to the gospel today by people is, well, I just, I know too many Christians are just like me. They're just hypocrites, just like me. You know, the, the thing is, they, they don't see, the, if they don't see the fruit of the Spirit, then they won't see the fruit of our Lord. I remember reading years ago when I was in college, I was looking for a summer ministry thing, and I I remember reading about this ranch out in California, Wyoming, somewhere out there. It was a Christian ministry ranch, but it had nothing, it had nothing Christian in its name. But they came across campus. They came to the University of Alabama when I was there, and they, they interviewed students. And they interviewed them in depth about their walk with the Lord and about what their habits were and what their, their uh, habits in the Word were and, and talked about that. I had a friend that interviewed, didn't get the job, but he interviewed with them. And they, they talked about this. They said, here's what we do. We're gonna, we want you to come and we want you to work if, if you're hired and, and you will be forbidden from witnessing to anybody that's here. You understand, we, we cater to a, we don't cater to the down and outers like the Union Mission. We cater to the up and inners. You know, those who are, they come, they pay a lot of money to come and, and you can't witness to them. I thought that was a little strange. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to show them the time of their life. We want you to be a servant to them. We want you to minister to them any way you can. If they need something, you get it, but you cannot witness to them unless they ask you. Sounds kind of strange. But he went on to explain, the guy who was there doing the interview, and that you know every year they have literally hundreds who come to faith in Christ. And it goes something like this. It, it's uh, they... Uh, they're doing their job, they're ministering, they're, they're caring for, they're bearing fruit of love, joy, peace, uh, peace, patience, all these kind of things. They're just living out what God has called them to be as, as branches abiding in the vine. And, and throughout the week, along, somebody will come along and ask one of the, the leaders, one of the foremen, you know, where'd you get these kids? Where'd you get these college students? They're unlike anything we've ever seen. Why, if we say we need this, it's done. If, if we ask them, even if it's a hard task, they, they get it done. And 
and you know, we can be kind of forbearing at times. We can be, or we be kind of overbearing at times. We can be kind of demanding at times. And they just do it. Where do you get them? I'd like to hire some of these for my company. He said, well, you know, that's interesting. A lot of people are asking that question. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll tell you about it uh, in, in, toward the end of the week. We're going to have a little meeting. And if you still have that question, ask it then. And they would meet, and he would, they would say, well, you know, a lot of you have been asking this question. Where do we get these kids? How do we get these kids? So let me tell you. He said, we go across the country, college campuses everywhere, and we interview, and we, we tell them, here's what we want you to do. We want you to just come and just live out the life that you have in Christ. People kind of look at them kind of funny. We just ask them to come and be Christian servants. Just come and show you the time of their life, and, and that's what they've come. They've just come to live out before you what real Christianity is. And, and you know, we forbid them to try to corner you and evangelize you. We just want you to know that. They can't do that. But now, if you want to Ask them now why it makes a difference in their life. Feel free to do so. They go back out and they say, you know, the guy told us it's because you're a Christian, you're like this. What does that mean? What do you mean you're a Christian? How does that? And they begin to share the gospel with them because they're asked, because they see something different. I think our world, one of our biggest problems today, we got a lot of problems. Well, one of our biggest problems is the world looks at the church and sees no difference. They don't see the fruit. They don't see the vine because they don't see the branches bearing fruit. They can't get past the fact that there are just these barren branches out there. Why would you look at a vine if there's no fruit on the branches? And, and I think what Jesus is saying here, I want you to understand, in this intimacy relationship that we are going to have, it's not just go to church on Sunday, it's not just sign a card, it's not just go through some baptismal water, but it's understand that I, as your Lord and Savior, will abide in you, and you will abide in me, and my word will be fed into you and will abide in you, and when you do, you will bear much fruit. You'll bear much fruit. He's going to make it clear. We'll talk about this next week. But down in verse 8, he's going to say, listen, by this, by what? By bearing fruit. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. You know, that, that's kind of the heart of it, isn't it? You don't, you don't prove you're a disciple of his by listening to Christian music. Getting somebody in the car and saying, you know, I'll show them I'm a Christian, I'll turn on a Christian radio channel. <laughs> you don't prove you're a Christian by doing that. You don't prove you're a Christian by wearing a bumper sticker or a lapel pin or a cross around your neck in a, as a necklace or you don't prove that you're a Christian by any of that stuff that we've kind of made the essence of showing who we are. I know a lot of people are just as lost as a goose that wear a cross. They don't understand why they wear it. They like it. Jesus said, you want to prove that you're my disciple? Abide in me. You want to prove that you're my disciple? Have me abiding in you. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. And by that you will bear much fruit. 
and God will be glorified, and you will prove that you're my disciples, and nobody will be saying, well, those people who profess to be Christians are at Grace Baptist Church, they're just like me. No difference. They'll see a visible manifestation of the character of Christ in our lives. But it only comes by intimacy. You can't fake this. You can't say, well, I'm gonna, tomorrow I'm going to go grip my teeth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this on my own. Because Jesus says in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing like this. Apart from me, abiding in me and me and you, my word abiding in you, apart from me, you can't do this. You can't fake it. Oh, you might for a day or two. You might for a, you might do it for a week. But it's not real. But when there's a realness of relationship, Jesus says there's an intimacy of relationship. There is a unity of relationship. There is a oneness of relationship. There is a coming together in union with Christ that he's illustrating here. And we're going to take a break down over the next few weeks. You see, that's what Jesus desires for your life, union with him. And that's manifested not just in a, a, a lone ranger Christianity that goes along somewhere and says, okay, I'm just going to be here in union with Christ. That's all I'm going to do, me and him, me and Jesus. But it's manifested in community. Union with Christ is manifested in body life, with the body, with other believers, living it out in the in the difficult situations of everyday life. I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. And if you're in me, you are a branch. You're branches. I, I did a little search just before I came in this morning, just out of curiosity. There's there's about 90 references in the New Testament to being in Him, in Christ, abiding in Him. 90 times, either Jesus or the Apostle Paul or Peter primarily emphasize this union that is so vital for your spiritual health. I want us to understand it. I want us to grasp it. I want us to intellectually gain what it means. But most of all, beginning in this pulpit, I want us to live it, to demonstrate it. Because folks, Somerset, Kentucky needs to see it. Pulaski County needs to see it. The United States of America needs to see it. It's got to begin with us right here. Let's pray together. And Father, as we have just taken an overview of the vine and the branch concept this morning, help us, Lord, to 
us meditate this week on these first 11 verses of John 15. Lord, I pray that the parents will take the faith talk out of their order of worship and will spend time, not just today, but all week with their families talking about, with their children talking about the vine, the branches. Pray, Lord, you just lead us all to that every day. Bombard us. Let your Holy Spirit bombard us with this reality. And Lord, draw us closer to you. Abide in us. That we may abide in you. That we may bear much fruit. Thank you, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.